Well, good morning. It's uh, great to be with you again here at Hamilton Baptist Church. Uh, once again, I'm preaching from the church. The only thing missing is you. And we continue, all of us together, to pray that we would get to that place where once again we can start to gather as the people of God in this building that we've set aside for the praise of his name. I trust uh, you were able to join with us last Sunday when I was exhorting us just to be very much in the gospel and to be proclaiming the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want to do this morning is something a little bit different. What I want to do is encourage us and exhort us as we get ready to begin a new series, a series uh, that goes under uh, the title God Is. But the reality, the series is going to be looking at the attributes of God. And I'm very excited about what that series is going to be all about. Uh, I think it will do your heart good. Uh, I think it will do your witness good. And I think it will do uh, your soul good just to study and to look and to contemplate more and more of the attributes of God. And so if you have your Bible this morning, I want you to turn to the book of the Psalms and to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. It's a glorious psalm, the whole of us. Uh, this psalm is well worthwhile reading. But what I'm going to encourage us to do uh, this morning is to look at the opening 10 verses. Now, you can preach all the way through to uh, verse 22. You can read all the way through to verse 22. You might want to preach as well. Uh, but you can read all the way through to verse uh, 22. But what you notice is that in verse 11 onwards, uh, the psalmist David begins to teach the people of God uh, out of the psalm. And some of that will come out in the earlier part of what we're looking at this morning which is the opening 10 verses. So let's read God's word, Psalm 34, and we read what will probably be familiar words for many, the opening 10 verses. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Amen. Let's just unite our hearts in prayer as we get ready to open up God's Word this morning. Our gracious Father, we thank you that we're able to gather together as your people. We thank you that we gather not in one building, not to unite our hearts and voices together in praise and adoration, but we gather as a people uh, in our own homes, perhaps amongst one or two uh, extended family, but we gather 
and our hearts are still overflowing with praise and with adoration and with thanksgiving. And so we pray that as we gather this morning and we look into your word, into Psalm 34, and we prepare our hearts for looking together into the depths of your word to understand more of who you are in all your being, in all your fullness, in all your character, that you would just meet with each one of us and that you would be present in the preaching of the word and in the gathering of the people and the Spirit of God would take your word and apply it to each one of our hearts and our lives. So move amongst us, we pray, as we seek to honor and glorify you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I've said already that I'm really excited uh, about the, the series that you're about to begin next Sunday when you look at God is and you begin to consider something of his majesty and of his holiness and of his greatness and of how awesome our God is. And uh, I, on a regular basis for my own devotions, take time just to think about the attributes of God. I think when I look into the attributes of God and I study them and I dwell on them and I reflect on them and I meditate upon them, that what it does is it causes within my heart, within my being, a stirring, a stirring that rises up in praise and adoration. But not only that, it's a stirring that brings great assurance that I am his and he is mine, and in Christ Jesus my Lord, I'm able to do all that he calls me to moment by moment, day by day. And so I'm really excited uh, about the series that you're about uh, to undertake. Uh, one of the ways in which I look at the attributes of God at a personal level is A.W. Tozer, uh, the great old saint of days past, uh, wrote two volumes on the attributes of God. And I have them on Audible. And sometimes when I'm going on a long drive, I like nothing better than just to listen to Tozer on the attributes of God and to just feed my heart and feed my soul. You see, one of the great things is that God takes great pleasure. He takes great pleasure in having a helpless soul like you and I come to him. Tozer would often be on this point, that you and I come as helpless souls to the living God. We come simply, we come plainly, and we come intimately. And what you're going to be doing uh, over uh, these ensuing weeks is looking at something of the greatness of God. And yet, in a very real sense, you'll come to that great and awesome God in a simple way in a plain way, but also in an intimate way. And I want to say that when you start to dwell on the attributes of God, the funny thing is it's the kind of Christianity that doesn't draw big crowds, but what it does is it draws hungry souls. It draws thirsty people into the presence of God. And those of you who are hungry and thirsty for more of who he is, will delight in all that you're going to look at over the ensuing weeks. And I just want to encourage you 
to marvel over what you hear and what you look at and to meditate upon it. And there's a very real sense in which David, the writer of Psalm 34, would say a hearty amen to all of that. Look at the way this psalm starts. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Do you know, I've got a, a four simple headings for us this morning as we look into Psalm 34, the opening 10 verses. And the first heading is this, that praise flows from unusual places. Praise flows from very unusual places. And uh, I, the reason for saying that is when you look at Psalm 34, before you get to uh, the, the kind of opening, I will bless the Lord at all times, we get a little uh, heading for the psalm. And it says this, it's a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. Praise flows from unusual places. What's, what's he referring to here? Well, if you were to turn in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 21, there you'll know that uh, David uh, is fleeing from Saul. Uh, King Saul wants to kill David. Uh, the story of Saul and David is, is always well worthwhile reading. Every time I look at Saul, I realize how well he started and yet how poorly he finished. And uh, when you look at 1 Samuel 21, and uh, you get towards the end of that chapter, uh, at verse 10, we read these words, And David rose and fled that day from Saul, and went to Achish, the king of Gath. That's also uh, the Abimelech that's referenced. Achish is his name, Abimelech is his royal title, king. Uh, and the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish the king of Gath. And so he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the door of the gate, and let his spittle run down his beard. And then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought me this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And so what he does is he, he drives David out. Praise flows out of unusual places. Now, we're not here in any way, shape, or form to justify David's actions in feigning madness. That's not what this is about. But the reality is it's a strange place from which praise would flow. Because here is David, fearful of his life because King Saul wants to kill him. Here is David, in actual fact, amongst those who were his enemies. In actual fact... The people that he's amongst uh, are the descendants, are the relatives of Goliath that he has he's killed. 
You know, so the reality is, you know, he, he's in a dangerous place. And what he does, of course, is that he feigns madness in order that uh, they look at him and think, well, he's not much of a threat. And it's a pitiful picture to see David scratching the walls and the spit running down his beard. And yet, out of that experience comes Psalm 34. Out of that circumstance comes the incredible words, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Do you know the reason I, I wanted us to note that right at the beginning uh, of our study this morning was to say that you and I, we live in the midst of uncertain times. We, midst, we live in the midst of times that we have never known before. Never in all the years of my ministry, either as an itinerant or as a pastor of a local church, have I known an occasion when we had to shut the door of the churches and not be allowed to open them for the praise of God's name and for the preaching of his word, running into many, many months. We live in the midst of uncertain times. But I want to say that the attitude of our heart ought to be one of praise, ought to be one of thanksgiving, that you and I and our destinies are firmly in the hands of an unchanging God. And throughout the midst of the circumstances, our God is unchanging. And therefore, his praise ought always to be on our lips. And you and I ought to be those who would bless the Lord at all times. Last week, it was my joy to be preaching a little bit of the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here is the eternal truth. And I, I owe this reflection to Dane Ortland, uh, who, who put this so beautifully in a book that I'll mention later. But here is the eternal truth. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, this life is the worst that we'll ever get. Do you believe that? I want you to know something, that for those who are not in Christ Jesus, this life is the best that they will ever get. And I want you to hear that if you're not a believer. To deny Christ, to reject Christ, to refuse the grace of God as it comes to us in Christ is to say that this life is the best that I will ever get and I will ever know. But for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, this life is the worst that it will ever get. Because what lies in the plan and purposes of God for his people is fullness of life 
And when God speaks of fullness in life, it's not only for a moment, it's for all eternity. And you and I know that. In a moment, we're going to see how good that is here and now. But you and I need to realize that not only can that be good here and now, but in actual fact, there's so much more still to come. And so praise can flow out of unusual places. And you and I, in the midst of what's been a very uncertain time, humanly speaking, in actual fact, can know what it is to join our hearts, to join our voices with the psalmist, and to say, you know, I will bless the Lord at all times. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. And I want to encourage you and exhort you. And I think as you look into the attributes of God, more and more you'll see that, that uh, you and I ought to be a people characterized by praise, even in the midst of uncertain days. Now, I want to help us do that this morning. And the way in which I want to uh, help us do that is to give you a, a second little heading. And it flows right out of Psalm 34, verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Psalm 34, verse 3. And here's the little heading. I want to encourage you to gaze into the glory scope. I want to encourage you to gaze into the glory scope. Look at the, the little word that David uses. Oh, magnify. Now, you and I understand that word. We know what it is if our sight is poor, to put on our glasses, to put on our spectacles, and to magnify the page. Some of us, of course, are so vain that we won't put our glasses on that what we'll do is just get bigger print on the page. But the reality is we understand magnify. We understand that what we want to do is see more clearly. Well, you know, one of the, the, the glorious things about who our God is is that you and I don't need to magnify him in the sense that we need to make him any bigger. You know, the bigness of God is sufficient for you and I. In fact, even as you uh, plow your way through some of the attributes, you'll only be scratching the surface of something of the greatness and the awesomeness and the majesty of our God. So it's not that we magnify the Lord in order to make him bigger, you know, than he actually is. It's not some false magnification. It's that we magnify the Lord in the sense that flowing from our hearts, we realize what it is to see everything for his glory. Now let me, let me share a little bit about the glory scope. You know, you've heard of the microscope, you've heard of the telescope, uh, but this is the glory scope. And I know this to Paul Tripp, whose words, uh, who, the, the first lips that I heard this phrase from. A number of weeks back, I had reason to be traveling up north, and I was going to uh, eventually, my, my journey was going to culminate in bankery. But rather than go up the kind of uh, 
straight road, I decided that what I would do is I would cut across what I think they call the Cairn O'Mount Road that kind of runs from Lawrence Kirk, Fetter Cairn, right over to Bankery. And I've got to say, I drove up in what, in weather terms, was the most fabulous day. And as I drove up over the Cairn on Mount Road, every twist and turn of the road just brought with it another fresh vision, a vista, a panorama of the majesty of the creation of our God. Now, I tell you that not because I'm on the tourist board for Scotland making Scotland desirable. I tell you that because I am in the army of God's people who wants to point to the author and creator of it all and say that whenever you and I look at the majesty of what surrounds us, we're gazing into the glory scope. And as I drove over that road, so many times I was gazing through the glory scope. Not only at the large, majestic things, but at one point there was a whole army, I don't know what you call them, but basically it was a whole army of grouse. And they were baby grouse, they were new. And they were all running up the middle of the road. So much so that you had to slow the car down, you had to stop, you had to let them do what they were doing. And you just had to gaze again into the glory scope, something of the wonder of all that God makes. And then, uh, on the way back down the following day, I decided to uh, go home via the spittle of Glenshee down through Braemar and Balmoral, just in case Her Majesty would ask me in, but she didn't. And I went down, uh, you know, down through the spittle of Glenshee, and again, all the way down the road, I was gazing through the glory scope. Come magnify the Lord with me. You see, it's only the glory scope when we realize that everything that exists is for his glory. It's not the glory scope when we just look and think, oh, that's pretty. But when we look and we realize that this speaks to us of who our God is, that this very thing exists for his glory. It's only then does it become the glory scope. You see, when you and I learn that everything serves a grand vertical purpose, then in actual fact, at that point, we're looking through the glory scope. And that's what, that's what David is learning there in Psalm 34 as he declares, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And you and I can do that uh, with creation. We can do that with the Word of God. We can do that as we grow more and more in the things of the faith. We learn what it is to see that everything exists for his glory. Uh, Trip, in his account of this, went on to talk about, so when you look at the snow, Remind yourself of the purity of the Lord. When you see the shepherd in the field, remember the tender care of our God. When you're in the midst of a storm, remember the Lord's power, the Lord's wrath. You know, when you see the rising sun, remember his faithfulness. And when you and I realize that everything 
serves a vertical purpose, that in actual fact we're gazing into the glory scope. When you and I realize that we're liberally surrounded with reminders of who God is, then praise out of the midst of unusual place can rise up and we can be magnifying the Lord and recognizing that everything exists for his glory. And if you're a believer in Christ, in actual fact, you ought to see the world differently. You ought to see people differently. You don't bring to your assessment of people, you know, some of the things that you've learned over the years of life, some of your human wisdom. What you do is you learn to see people through the lens of Scripture. You learn to see people through the lens of God's revealed Word. You learn what it is to see people through the eyes of Christ. You know that uh, old hymn, Loved with Everlasting Love. Remember the, the beautiful little refrain? Heaven above is softer blue, earth around is sweeter green. Something lives in every hue Christless eyes have never seen. You see, when you're in Christ, Everything is transformed, and you see things through the glory scope. You see the way in which the gathering together of the people of God is not about us, it's for him. You see the way in which the proclamation of the word of God is not about what we like and whether the preachers dissected the passage according to our particular interpretation or plan, but the reality is this word is for the glory of God. This word is that his name might be exalted. Well, I want to encourage you to, to gaze into the glory scope in the week that lies ahead. I want to also encourage you to bask in the radiance of God's grace. Bask in the radiance of God's grace. You know, the weather's taken a turn. Uh, this week there's been lots of rain. And we've been back to what we're familiar with in Scotland. Uh, but, you know, throughout the period of lockdown, we, we knew the most incredible weather. And many of us took time to bask in the sunshine of it. But I want to encourage you to bask in the radiance of God's grace. Look at verses 5 through 7. You know, the Lord delivers me at the end of verse 4 from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. You know, you find that in actual fact, Psalm 34 is time and again removing the fears that you and I have in this life. And it does that by lifting our heads to gaze into the glory scope of who God is. That's why I'm excited about the, the series and the attributes. But I want to encourage you to bask in the radiance of the eternal sweep of God's grace. You know, I, the, I, I love the simplicity of the cry in Psalm 34. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him 
out of all his troubles. Really, we're looking at the eternal sweep of the grace of God. And interestingly, we're looking at the eternal sweep of the grace of God before the incarnation, before the cross, before the resurrection. And you see, the grace of God is there in the entirety of God's Word. No one ever was saved. No one is now saved. No one will be saved except only by the grace of God. God has always dealt in grace. You see, and in the, the Old Testament, what you find is that God is dealing in grace. And everyone who is saved in the Old Testament from the days of, of Abel uh, are looking forward to the cross. And everyone who's saved following the, the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is looking back to the cross. But basically what's happening is that they're all looking either forwards or backwards at the grace of God in Christ. And what we realize is that God's face is turned towards us. And I want you to bask in the radiance of God's grace because those who look to him are radiant. You know, I've got a, a, well, I've got a, a grandson and two granddaughters, but my youngest granddaughter, she's just between five and six months at the present moment in time. And every time I see her, I love it. And the reason is this, that for some reason, whenever I walk into a room and she sees me, she just breaks out into this massive smile. Now, either her papa is a ridiculously looking funny person, that every time she sees me, she just smiles. But, you know, she doesn't do it with everyone. But every time she looks at me, she just smiles. The most adorable, the most radiant, the most wonderful smile. And I just want to scoop her up and cuddle her and hold on to her. You see, those who look to him are radiant. Is not the grace of God in Christ the smile of a loving Father, of one who cleanses and forgives and reconciles us to himself, who guarantees us all eternity with himself? Bask in the radiance of the grace of God. We can bask in it because we don't deserve it, but it is ours because this is his heart towards us. And so I want to encourage us to bask in the radiance of God's grace. Even when you look at the wrath of God, you'll discover that that wrath, which he has to exercise against sin, for he hates it, it's himself who takes it upon himself and turns that wrath away from us. Bask in the radiance of the grace of God in Christ. Well, my final little heading this morning is a heading that's really what you're going to do over the course of the coming weeks.
And it's this. I want to exhort you to be tasting of the fullness of God. Tasting of the fullness of God. Look what it says there in verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions can suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. You know, one of the instrumental texts in my first coming to Jesus was John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But I have come that you might have life, life in all its fullness. And if truth be told, in those early days of my conversion and salvation, I was still very much driven by all that I might get. But I learned over time that what I truly wanted more than anything else was to know him. That what I truly wanted more than anything else was to learn the fear of God in the sense of awe and reverence and what it is to enter in to tasting all the fullness of God. You see, when we learn to fear God, as the Bible exhorts us to, you'll discover that in actual fact, coming with that fear of the one person we ought to be afraid of, coming with that, there's a removal of all the other fears that we have in life. Because you and I can be afraid of things that are out with our control. And I suppose we've been living in these uncertain times with many people afraid of death. But you see, that not ought to be a fear of the believer. Because in actual fact, our God is the God who has conquered death and hell. And so we've got a message in the midst of these uncertain times that when people learn to channel their fear to the only person who's worthy of it, that is God himself, then all the kind of lesser fears we have in life about those things that are out with our control, then those things fade away. Those things vanish in the light of tasting the fullness of who God is. And what you're going to be doing as a people in the coming weeks is tasting something of the fullness of the character of the being of the person of our God. In doing that, you'll discover that it's right to fear him in the worshipful reverence or sense that Scripture encourages us to. I referenced earlier on in my message uh, a little book that's had an impact upon me over this period. It's a book by a, an author called Dane Ortland, and it's a book entitled Gentle and Lowly. It's drawn largely on that little text, Come to me, all you who are, heavy la who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
And it goes on to describe the heart of Jesus. It says, my heart is gentle and lowly. It's the only place in the whole of the scriptures where we actually read about the heart of Jesus. And in that context, he exhorts us at the end of the book with these words. And I want to close my message this morning as I encourage you to be a person of praise in the midst of unusual places, as I encourage you to gaze into the glory scope that all things are created for God's glory, everything exists for his glory, as I encourage you to bask in the radiance of the grace of God, and as I exhort you to taste of the fullness of God, I want you to hear these words. Go to him. All that means is open yourself up to him. Let him love you. The Christian life boils down to two steps. The first step is this. Go to Jesus. The second step is this. See the first step. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we come with humble hearts into your presence, knowing that we can because of Jesus. We confess that there are many times in life we are not looking through the lens of who you are and the lens of your word and appreciating that everything exists for your glory. Would you come by your word and by your spirit and enable us this week to be a people who live out what your word has spoken into our hearts. Would you enable us to magnify you? Would you enable us to see things with Christ-filled eyes? Would you enable us to bask in the radiance and the loveliness of your grace? Would you help us to taste of all the fullness of who you are? And would you help us always to be a people who come to you knowing that you will not turn us away and in the sweetness of our communion we will praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you in the days that lie ahead and may you know something of his word becoming real in your life.